The Free For All Roundtable. Round one. On round one, Pavan Brach is here, serial entrepreneur in marketing, tech, and real estate development, and a part-time farmer. Deb Hutton, former advisor to two premiers. Scott Reed is a political commentator and advisor to Prime Minister Paul Martin. Good morning, everybody, and let's start with federal politics, as a matter of fact. Jagmeet Singh is suggesting he's gone a little cold on the deal that the NDP and the Liberals have together. Uh, Scott Reed, I'll start with you on this one, because you've advised prime ministers. Is he just being cold? because he needs to kind of rekindle the relationship or do you think they're in trouble no they're not in trouble um you know we had Jagmeet Singh on the station on Friday I interviewed him and I pushed him hard on this and he um he he wouldn't go as far as he did in that news conference I think he just kind of got pushed around by the journalists the reality is that he does back the prime minister's position Right. His view is that there should be a sweeping national deal that not only should there be strings attached and all premiers should commit to spending any new transfer money on health care, but that there should be a national plan for human health resources. There should be a national plan on technology. I mean, these are things that you're not going to get. But the idea that he's going to pull the plug on this government over the issue of health care when on the fundamental issue he agrees with the prime minister, it's just political posturing. It's silly. All right. Deb Hutton, do you agree? So I'm actually uh, a little more generous to Jagmeet than than Scott is. Um, and I think as a political watcher, I'm saying, finally, like, where have you been? You should be have you should have been in a position to be able to be really pushing the government and therefore elevating the party status as a taxpayer. I say, hang on to your wallet tight because there's nothing that Jagmeet won't ask the prime minister to spend money on, particularly in the field of health care. Pavan, this relationship, I was sort of expounding on this on the show yesterday, where the NDP agrees to backstop the Liberals, but the Liberals have to do a bunch of very NDP-ish things, uh, has been very productive for the NDP twice before, once in the 60s, once in the 70s. So maybe he's going to get everything he wants. Yeah, well, he's going to try, and and I and you know, it's it's a bit like a reality show to me. This, I'm sure, it's part of the deal. Listen, every few months, I'm going to kick it up and say that I just don't like this relationship and the way it's going, and Canadians want something different. And I'm th- I'm leaving, you know, and it's it's all, I think it's all programmed, it's all drama, uh, and you know, it, it's such a shame because it's such a critical issue. You know, we have a healthcare system that really is in crisis, and I, you know, I don't. And Jagmeet Singh, as pointed out, is asking for things. Things beyond money and I think that's probably the right thing to be asking for because it really we do have to create a national strategy that's fundamentally different we have doctors that are that are checking out we have uh, health care workers we have a shortage of doctors while we have international medical grads working for 25 bucks an hour at Tim Hortons it doesn't make any sense uh, and and most critically John I mean in terms of national strategies we need a system that focuses on prevention because no amount of money is going to allow us to build all the hospitals that we need to deal with the impact of diabetes and obesity and all of these other things that people just don't seem to want to invest in in terms of prevention so hopefully it turns out uh, that they get something done that's uh, on a national stage that makes sense okay one more question for scott reed actually having worked in the pmo um do you think that jugmeet and justin talk about these things uh, behind the scenes and then jugmeet says oh by the way tomorrow i'm going to make a stink 
No, not in the way that you you're suggesting there. Um, I think they talk and I think they talk about mutual priorities. They'll talk about, okay, we are going to move the yardsticks on dental, which is something we agree on. But that was a political play. He went out and asked for interviews last week. He did the news conference yesterday. He's not going to that's not a coordinated effort. By the way, I would also note just to be a dink uh, in the 60s and 70s. Yeah, it was productive. But the NDP lost elections after that. There's no. Figuring out how to translate one of these kinds of minority deals for the third party into electoral success in the subsequent election, it's never happened. David Lewis didn't figure it out. Bob Ray didn't figure it out. I'm not convinced that Jamie Singh is going to figure it out. Although if you're a policy purist, then you have the satisfaction of having compelled the government to do the things you wanted done. Yeah, but then you're not a political leader. You're a policy purist. And if you're a political leader, your job is to win elections. Okay. Uh, Speaking of winning elections, we won't dwell on this for too long, but uh, Deb Hutton, Charles Sousa, who I think you know, um, declaring victory for the Liberals in Mississauga in a by-election. He joined us just a few minutes ago, and he'll be joining the government benches. I don't think we can read too much into this, except maybe um, the sort of opaqueness of the conservative campaign. And I don't know where Pierre Polyev is these days. Yeah, I mean, I, I think uh, uh, Charles is a, is a great guy. He, I consider him more of a blue liberal, which always makes me happier, just generically. Um, I, I, listen, by-elections are an opportunity for opposition parties to test drive some messages, particularly a by-election where you really don't have any hope at all of winning. Uh, so I do think it's a missed opportunity for the conservatives, but they may have a plan. I'm, I'm just not smart enough to see. Let's talk about an initiative, and we will talk to the city councillor who's pitching this in Mississauga at 8.05 this morning. But his pitch is that when you have radar cameras that capture people speeding in their cars, you could set them for different times of day. So um, I have an obvious interest in this, having collected tickets for driving 40 in a 30 zone at 3.45 a.m. when there weren't too many kids out playing stickball on the street. Uh, Pavan Brach, do you think it's a, it's a good idea? Is Palm in there? We lost. Yeah, sorry, it's getting John. It's getting too complicated to drive now. (laughs) You know, I think, you know, in Hamilton, you've got uh, new lights now for people who ride bikes. You've got lights for transit. You've got uh, parking in the middle of the street. You've got time zones that, you know, different time zones and different speed limits and and photo radar. And you you approach intersections and you have to look three ways. And, you know, it's so complicated. I'd hate to be verging on, on, uh, you know, not being as strong mentally and and driving in this day and age. So I think I think we just have to keep it simple. Okay, but does that mean you should be captured like I was doing? I think I was doing 42 in a 30 zone at uh, 345 a.m. And I ended up getting, getting whacked with a ticket from a machine. That's crazy. Oh, boy. All your Uh, vaunted public interest in lecturing the world on what's right and what's wrong sure melts in the face of a few (laughs) dollars, huh? Look, first of all, you shouldn't be out at 345 in the morning. Nothing good happens after midnight. Your mom knows that. I know that. You should know that. Work my beans. And secondly, I am all for this. I am full Karen on this issue. The combination of Uber drivers and Waze means that people are bombing through residential neighborhoods, past schools, going 110 kilometers an hour breakneck speeds all the time i think we need speed bumps we need parking on both sides of the street we need uh you know variable speed limits variable times anything that would deter these knobs from barreling down the roads and knocking uh knocking people uh you know sideways so uh, i'm all for it so i applaud those guys in mississauga i hope the toronto counselors are listening i'm not sure 42 is uh 
is bombing. But uh, Deb, last word. Well, I wanted to support this until I heard Scott's rant, and I'm in—I just really don't want to support everything he said. So now I'm in a tough position. Uh, listen, I'm all for technology, and and that isn't just uh, grabbing us in in speed zones—the the anonymous box that got you, John. It got me too on on Bedford Park. Uh, I'm all for that. I am all for timing our lights. I'm all for variable speed limits. We should be using technology to allow people to get where they needed to where they need to go and to make sure they do it safely. So I say more technology, go get it. Yeah, no, I'm totally on board with more tech because, for example, the traffic lights at my corner when I'm, again, leaving for work, Scott Reed, at 3.30 in the morning, um, they sometimes cycle over and I don't get a signal. So if I really want to get out of there, I have to go against a red light. Uh, anyway, got to put the Mickey down and pay attention. Come on. <laughs> Super. Um, Ottawa police apparently cut email access to some police officers who were on leave, I might add, during the Freedom Convoy because they were afraid there could be some leaks of intelligence about what police were up to. Is this of concern, Pavan Brach? Absolutely. It is of concern. And hopefully, you know, after this expensive and long lasting judicial review, hopefully there'll be some commentary on the fact that, you know, we had a major issue. We had police helping protesters take their their diesel to their vehicles. And uh, we had issues uh, and we've seen this in, in other areas with the military where they failed to enforce. And and the fact that the police felt they needed to do this because there were obvious leaks of intelligence is a critical issue for our country, but not only our country. I mean, we're seeing what's going on. We, we, we're stunned to see what happened in Germany with members of the military involved and, and potentially the police involved in, a, in, a, in an overthrow attempt at the government. And who would imagine this, you know, happening as, as much we thought it was just restricted to the U.S. So we do have to find a way to manage uh, communication of information and intelligence uh, during these crises because it's uh, it's a pretty serious issue. Scott Reed, I think this is probably going to be exaggerated by some as, look at that, Justin Trudeau shut down people's email. No, police officers on leave from the Ottawa Police Service were cut off from their emails because some of them were suspected of passing on information to the protesters. Yeah, their work emails. Like, that's an important thing, right? The institution said, oh, information that's available to people on leave uh, that originates with us is being used by these people to help the other side, so to speak. And, you know, I, they're well within the rights to do it. I would like to think that people will use that kind of authority with, you know, um, economy and judgment. Um, but I can't quarrel with the judgment that was made in this case. That, that It's ridiculous. They had a former RCMP officer who was coordinating from a security standpoint, and he was at the end of a river of intel he was getting from old uh, colleagues and connections. And that's that's a real concern. Well, and in major organizations, it's standard operating procedure to suspend your email service if you are on leave. Deb Hutton, your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I don't know why these guys had access to it and that they had to at the you know, sort of at the, the critical point remove their email access. What is important to me, though, is what happens to these individuals when these investigations uh, wrap up. And I think we have to, throughout our police forces, have a greater focus on discipline. And we used to say in politics, you put a head on a stick to make a point. 
you got to put a head on a stick here. We have to see some real discipline of these officers. Scott Reed, uh, you're not going to get uh, lemons and limes anymore in your drinks if you're on a federal government plane. Is that being stingy or is, is it absolutely outrageous they spent $1,000 on a single flight just on lemons and limes? Uh, it's probably outrageous. Um, you know, these things happen. Uh, there's a lack of discipline. It then creates a furor. Uh, it then triggers what's likely some kind of overreaction. Eight years from now, people will be like, we got to relax these regulations because people can't even get a Mars bar or something. But, you know, I don't cry one uh, tear for... Um, you know, for people who can't get their limes on the Challenger. I've, I've, I've been there and you know what? The privilege of being able to um, use a government aircraft is pretty enormous and uh, you don't have to uh, eat Kukil Senshak to complete the experience. Although, Pavan, no, you will no longer be offered a choice. It won't be a fixed, a prefix menu or whatever. You'll just be offered one dish and that's it. Yeah. Yeah, a bit of an overreaction. I mean... <laughs> You know, you know, it's a bit of an overreaction. It, it's really not fair. I'm all for crack, cracking down on government waste. But, you know, a lot of times these aircraft are subject to whatever the local caterers providing and whatever the local caterers authorized to charge by by other processes that don't involve the federal government. So I think it's much ado about nothing. Um, we're going to call it there, actually, because we're up against the news. But my thanks to Deb Hutton, Scott Reed, and Pavan Brach on round one. Round two coming your way at 845.